0: One, two, three,
1: four. And as the wax flows over your whole body, I hope you realize you look beautiful. And if it acts as a sort of odd, eternal torture, I Still Hello there, and welcome to yet another pulse pounding and, of course, jam packed episode of Cast and Wax. My name is Jordan D. White, and with me are my three co hosts. Let me introduce them. This is Mr. Frank Allen. Hello there, Jordan. It's uh, good to speak with you, good to be on the podcast. Very interesting. And, of course, Mr. Rory Sinjin, John, historian. Historian uh, to the stars, in fact. Yes, I, I actually have... I'm not allowed to say what stars, but I, I actually have been doing historical, uh, alternate extra-historical studies... For some celebrities. Really? Uh, what's the purpose of that? I mean, is that like, is it kind of like a, like a fortune teller? Or, I mean, uh, do you like tell them what, what will happen to them? No, oh, no, no. I mean, I, of course, as a historian, I do know what's going to happen to them, but uh, it's more that I tell them what might have happened to them on other worlds. Okay. Uh, and is that of some benefit to them? Of course. Of course it is. Uh, it reassures them that the choices that they've made in their lives were the right ones. They, they come to me and they will say, you know, I, well, I, I sort of regret doing such a thing. And I say, no, no, at Actually, uh, it's, it's good that you've done that because, of course, on another world where you did the opposite thing, you were hit by a truck 20 times and died. Hit by a truck 20 times? What's the. Isn't that a bit of an overkill? Why would you, one time and you die? In this world, it's a world where, actually, what trucks are made out of, um, feathers. What? That doesn't even make any sense. Actually, hold on. Let me just introduce my, my final co host, of course. Um, speaking of feathers, this is my cat scape.
2: I like feathers. I like to chase them. They're pretty, uh, impressive. Impressive? Well, I mean, they make like a. Whoosh, whoosh sound, and I was like, wanna eat it, I you? Wanna <laughs> Good.
1: That's good for you, I guess. And, um, not so good for the feathers. We've got all sorts of crazy things on the show tonight. Did you know that? I did. Um, it's very amazing. I'm, I'm actually recording this as you, as I've said, I record this a bit of ahead of time. I'm recording this on uh, the night before comic con starts, New York comic con. And I'm very excited to go there. Cause as you, as you may or may not remember, I am an assistant editor at Marvel comics. It's my first time at a big con like this actually as part of the company. So I'm really psyched. That sounds like a lot of fun. Actually, maybe, you know, maybe I should come and like cover the con as, as like a, a podcaster. Well, that, I mean, that's a possibility, but you don't have any, like, equipment. I've got my tape recorder. Well, okay, you've got a tape recorder, but it's, I mean, it's, I mean, well, if you want to, I mean, I, I can't get you in for free. You'll have to pay. Is it expensive? Well, I mean, it's, it's a little. Oh, well, I'll try. I'll try to see if I can afford it then. Well, that could be fun. I mean, you know, it might be, might be a good time. You know, and you could ha- do some Frank Allen interviews. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. I would do Frank Allen interviews all over the convention, interviewing famous comic book people. I could tell you what comic books are like on alternate realities. I don't think that matters to anybody, really. And, of course, uh, my cat, Gabe, likes comic books mostly as uh, as pillows, basically. He likes to sit on them and walk on them and toss them on the floor.
2: Or they get in the way. I mean, basically, comics are just, like, things that you
1: put on tables. And it's like, I don't need this here. Get rid of it, too. I mean, they're actually—they have purposes, you know? They have—you the, you read them, there's a story in them.
2: Well, I don't. I sit on them, or I push them away. I don't need them.
1: Well, that's what keeps you eating food, is me making those comics.
2: Good. I don't care. I don't, I mean I want the food, but I don't care about the comic. Ugh,
1: you're a jerk anyway moving on let's get on to our first uh, our first show our first show is gonna be like mother episode 2 if you remember in the last episode Pandora darling came home to find her mother hope had murdered a man and was uh, looking through his his body for a, a hidden chip uh, a boy who has a crush on her named Bobby Kurtzman showed up and the mother uh, knocked him out and that was about where we stopped is is her mother crazy or is she right about the conspiracy she's talking about I mean who knows but you'll find out soon I'm sure here's episode two.
3: Mother, Episode 2, Trapped in a Box, by Daniel Schwartz. Pandora Darling lived a ten-minute walk from Carousel High School. Most mornings would find her strolling to school, talking on her cell phone or saying hello to the people she met along the way. Old Mrs. Walker once joked that she could set her watch by Pandy's walk to school, now She sprinted past confused pedestrians more than 45 minutes behind schedule. Pandy wished longingly for that sense of normalcy. She reached the building just as the bell rang for second period. She weaved past the legions of students to slump down in the back row of Mrs. Henderson's geometry class.
4: Oh my god, Pandy, where were you? You missed first period. I know. What happened? You sound like hell.
3: Earlier that morning, Pandy woke up to find herself in a metal-walled space only slightly larger than a
5: coffin. Hello? Is anyone there? Morning, honey. Sleep well? Mom? What the hell's going on? I made this chamber for you when you were seven. I would have liked to wait a while longer before the training started, but you coming home early kind of forced my hand. Oh my god, Mom, let me out of here! Can't. It's locked from the inside. You have to pick the lock right above your head. You'll find lock picks in the box to your right. It's a freebie, by the way. Next time, you'll have to have your own on hand. What? I can't pick locks! Are you crazy? Don't shout so much, dear. You'll use up the air. Calm down. Count to five. Focus on how good it'll feel to get out of this box and have breakfast. I made blueberry pancakes your favorite. Good luck, potato. "'I'm
4: fine, Tabby. It took me a while to get out.'
3: Tabby seemed unconvinced, but let the matter slide. Pandy hated hiding the truth from her best friend, but after coming home from school to find her mother standing over a dead body, she wasn't sure what to think. Hope Darling claimed that she was fighting a secret conspiracy known as Cask, that she hunted down their agents and killed them, that she could sense who was part of the conspiracy and who wasn't. It was all just a little too much.' Geometry class passed in its normal, boring pace, which after Pandy's morning breaking out of the box seemed almost surreal. On the way out, she saw Bobby Kurtzman in the hall, leaving biology two doors down.
4: Here comes your fan club. Oh, shut up. Hey, not my fault he's retarded for you. I just hope he doesn't remember. Remember what? Hey, Pandy. Hey, Bobby.
1: Didn't see you first period. slept. Oh, After
3: Bobby had walked in on Pandy and her mother cleaning up a body the previous afternoon, Hope had clubbed him into unconsciousness and dragged him inside.
5: Well, he's a little thin, isn't he? For the last
4: time, Mom, he's not my boyfriend. Of course, honey.
5: Now lie him down on the couch.
4: What are you doing with that syringe?
5: Oh, don't worry, dear. It's just some barbiturates and neuroinhibitors. What? He'll sleep for 12 hours and not remember a thing. It's basic biochemistry. Mom,
4: you're an airline stewardess. How do you
5: know this? When I started fighting Cask, I figured I needed to know everything I could. Spent a long time in the library, and then of course it was the internet. Don't worry, Potato. I'll teach you everything I know. Teach? You want- Me? To kill people? (laughs) Don't be ridiculous, honey. You need a lot of training before that happens. And there we go. Make sure he doesn't seize while I go call Mrs. Kurtzman.
3: How her mother explained away Bobby's unconsciousness, Pandy couldn't say. But somehow Bobby got hauled off by his father, and if he remembered his experience, he gave
1: no sign of it now. Uh, hey, Pandy, I've been meaning to ask you. Oh,
4: hey, that reminds me. Did you see that article in this week's Vapid? Oh my god, yeah! I can't believe my hair quotient was so low. How did you do? I got a five. Guess buying all that product finally paid off. That's great! Congratulations!
3: Bobby's question went unasked in the flurry of hair discussion. The rest of the day was just as surreal as Pandora's day had been so far. Tabby didn't question her any further, and Bobby seemed too smitten to notice. One person did, however, stopping her as she left English class at the end of the day. A moment of your time, Pandora?
4: Uh Sure, Mr. Nielsen.
3: Thomas Patrick Nielsen had been teaching English at Carousel High School for five years before Pandora walked into his class. He'd gotten a reputation as a caring teacher and a trustworthy confidant. The fact that he was gorgeous had only endeared him further to Pandora. How are you doing? You seem different today. What do you mean? Well, normally you and
6: Tabby spend the whole class giggling and trading notes. Today you just stared out the window and doodled in your binder.
4: Oh, sorry, sir.
6: Sheesh, don't worry about it. I just want to make sure you're okay.
4: I am. It's just, well...
6: Maybe if you showed me what you were drawing. (sighs) Okay. Is this... Is this a lock? Yeah. It's not what I'd expected. Anything you want to tell me about?
4: Well, it's my mom.
3: Pandy looked into Mr. Nielsen's soft and caring eyes and felt more trapped than any box could ever make her.
4: She... She's sick.
6: Oh, dear. Nothing serious, I hope
4: it's just kind of setting, you know?
6: I know how that can be. I've never met your mother. I don't think I've ever seen her at parents' night. But I'm sure she'll be fine. Let me know if there's anything I can do to help, okay?
4: Okay, Mr. N. I gotta run. Bye! The
3: walk home was the same as it always was. Old Mrs. Walker watering her roses. The Langley twins playing catch. The church. Everything was the same as it always was. Except there was a dead body slowly decomposing in lie in her basement. Her mother's latest victim. Her mother was a serial killer who locked her in a box. Everything was different.
5: Hey, Potato. How was school today?
4: It was okay, I guess. What are all these papers?
5: That's some stuff on anatomy. You asked about the memory cocktail, figured that might be a good place to start.
4: This looks pretty complicated. You're
5: a smart girl, it'll get easier with practice. Trust me, when you need to stop a priest from asking why you iced that nun, you'll be glad you did your research. Oh my god, you killed Sister Agatha? Sister Pawn of Cask, you mean. Subliminal messages snuck into the hymnals, and don't get me started on the whole last rites
4: issue. She was helping me practice for the play at the community center.
5: I know. That's when I noticed that every. Every prime-numbered word in that week's hymnal spelled out a secret message, urging congregants to watch the local news that night to receive further instructions. Luckily, I was able to break that little chain of communication. Break the chain of- You didn't really believe that fire in the rectory was a coincidence, did you?
4: Mom, I can't do this.
5: Now, don't believe what those jerks at school say. Girls can do science just as much as boys.
4: You know that's not what I meant.
5: (sighs) No, I guess not.
4: This is too weird. Conspiracies, implanted chips, secret tests- This can't be happening. Listen, Potato.
5: You remember how when Dad died, I told you I'd look after you no matter what? Yeah. Well, I meant it. So when I found out about Cask, I knew what I had to do. You matter more to me than anything else. I won't ever let those monsters destroy the world you'll grow up in. And now you're growing up. Faster than I'd like, but growing up all the same. Part of keeping you safe has to include teaching you how to protect yourself. They've got numbers, money, and decades of preparation. So we need to be smart and fast and strong. I know you can be all of those things. You just need to trust me. Okay, Mom. I will. <sighs> That's my potato. Now let's make some dinner.
3: Dinner was chicken and asparagus, one of Pandora's favorites. Throughout the meal, talk was of hair products, a funny story about a pilot in Dallas-Fort Worth, and a debate over which movie to see that weekend. After watching a few sitcoms, homework time, and extracurricular reading, Pandora was ready to hit the sack.
5: You know what, honey? What, Mom? I'm almost glad you found me yesterday. It feels great not to have secrets between us anymore. That's
4: real sweet,
5: Mom. Now, get a good night's sleep. Tomorrow's lock will be harder. Got your lock picks? Yeah, Mom. Sweet dreams.
3: Pandy waited until her mother's footsteps faded down the hall. Then she slowly got out of bed, pulled out some clothes, stuffed them into a duffel bag, and headed toward the window.
4: I can probably stay at Tabby's while I call the police. God, Mom, why did you have to make me do this?
3: Pandy opened up the window and slid out onto the roof. As her foot touched the roof, she felt a shock (laughs) course through her body. She blacked out and awoke next morning in the chamber again.
5: You're lucky you didn't put all your weight on the roof, dear. The electricity could have killed you. Be more careful. You mean you let me nearly
4: kill myself as some kind of
5: of test? Life is a test, Pandora Claire, darling. Either we do our best or we fail. You'll do great, honey. Good luck. Good luck.
4: I have got to get out of here.
3: Pandy pulled the lockpicks out of her pajama pants and went to work on the lock in front of her, mentally reviewing the notes she had read the previous night. Like Mother continues next week as Pandora tries to deal with her new life and Bobby's advances. Tune in next week for Trials
1: and Tribulations. In that episode of Like Mother... The narrator was Charles Berman, Pandora Darling was Guinevere Eckert, Hope Darling was Lynn Nelson, Tabby was Ava Rosenblatt, Bobby Kurtzman was Jordan D. White, Mr. Nielsen was Daniel Schwartz, and the theme song was by Jordan D. White. Very exciting stuff. I love the I love the idea of her being actually locked in a box. It's just, it blows me away. I wish I had thought of it. Of course, that was Daniel Schwartz uh, writing the episode and adding that to the mythos of the series. Wouldn't that be great, Scape? Wouldn't you like if I locked you in a box?
2: No! Why would I want to be locked in a box? That's a really terrible idea.
0: Mm,
1: that's fair. We don't have a lot of time. We got we have so much stuff this episode because uh, we want to get to all the different bonus things. Let's get to our first bonus, which is, of course, this day in history. Here we are with uh, Rory Sinjin. Yes, please. Welcome to WHRW Binghamton. This is This Day in History. My name is Rory St. John. On April 28th, 1789, three weeks into a journey from Tahiti to the West Indies, the HMS Bounty is seized in a mutiny led by Fletcher Christian, the master's mate. Captain William Bly and 18 of his loyal supporters were set adrift in a small open boat, and the Bounty set course for Tubwai, south of Tahiti. Let's listen.
5: Man, where are we
7: going? I can't see anything.
8: Yar, nothing's more beautiful than the sun on the
0: sea.
7: Well, here, I'll, tr- I'll try to get our direction by seeing where the sun is. Now, let me just, let me just look at. Oh, Ow! No, don't! That looks ah, like my oh. it
0: oh.
5: Everybody, take these sunglasses and don't look at the sun directly. What's yes.
6: this, Mr. Mate? Issuing sunglasses on my watch? I'll have none of it. You, back to staring!
5: But, but, Ah, oh, my eyes!
6: Do not be insubordinate with me. Well, you are. But I try so hard at being captain. Nobody respects Captain Bly. Fine! Take your stupid ship and go to Dubai south of Tahiti. See what I care,
1: jerks. Unfortunately, the bounty itself, being led by people who had stared at the sun so long they'd gone blind, ran aground shortly thereafter, and they all died. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. Hold on just one minute. My name's Rory St. John, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and wax. You've all just heard the story of how Captain Bly and his 18 followers were set adrift. But here's what happened to them next. Yes, in fact, Captain Bly and his followers drifted in their boat into a portal to a land made entirely of meat. Captain Bly's followers, not having learned anything, did stare directly at the honey ham that was the sun in that world, and the honey from the honey ham dripped directly into their eyes and blinded them in that world as well. You see, it's still not good to look directly into the sky, even in a world made entirely of meat. The problem was that all the ground beef monsters saw that they were blind, came up and slapped themselves all over their bodies... ...and the very strange chicken breast monsters... ...jumped into their mouths so they were unable to say anything... ...like, don't eat me, I'm actually a, a human being as well... ...which made the regular people of that world... ...who weren't actually made of meat think they were just food... ...and they cooked them alive and ate them... ...all because they were blind from staring directly into the sun... ...you really shouldn't stare directly into the sun... ...be it a honey hams or a regular sun... ...that's the lesson I'm trying to get across here... ...this delicious lesson was of course brought to you by... ...where are they now in history on Cast and Wax... ...I'm Rory St. John. Okay... I will be honest with you. I'm beginning to think that this whole idea of an extra-historical historian is really just a front for selling drugs, um, which which you also do. Because this idea of a universe of meat, a world of meat, or wh- whatever it is, it, it's just uh, the kind of thing that someone who's high on drugs would come up with. And I can't really imagine how anybody else would come up with that off the top of their head. No, it's it's quite simple. All you really have to do is just let the ideas come to you. Reach out into the universe with your brain uh, without you don't need a chemical reach. You can just reach with your brain naturally and these ideas will come to you and that mean that's an indication that they're out there to begin with, that they're out there in the world before you even look for them. Really? That's great. That's absolutely great. Uh you're insane. And if I, uh, was in any way responsible for you, I would absolutely have you committed. You know, Frank, it's not, it's not up to you, thankfully. And of course, if it was, I would, uh, I would prove that I was sane by proving all of my allegations to people. There's no way you could do that. Uh, speaking of which, I'm gonna move on the show. Jordan, uh, stepped out for a moment. I'm gonna move on the show because we're going to get to a section now that I did, of course, and that's good. This is a tractor fiction episode called The Gunslinger. Again, it's a it's a live track, uh, so the quality is not quite as, as up to snuff as some of the other recorded and then edited stuff. But uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it anyway. It's very funny. Uh, craziness, craziness. And uh, here we are, The Gunslinger.
8: This week's episode of Tractor Fiction is called
1: Gunslinger, and it begins now. The American Old West was a time of violence and loose morals, when cowboys and gunslingers ran rampant. The town of Bottlesville was no exception, especially when Terrible Tom rode into town.
2: Grandma, what's wrong? Something evil is coming
9: to town.
2: I can feel it.
9: Who's that? Oh my, did you see his face? I've killed people for looking at me like that. Where's Bart Dawson? He's down
1: the street. He's in the saloon. Terrible Tom made his way to Dawson's saloon.
8: I knew you'd come. Who do you want me to kill? A man who's been a curse to this town, uh, the preacher. He came here three years ago and started the church. I had a thriving business, lots of drinking, gambling, wild women, and hell raising. Then he started preaching. Everyone got religion. My prostitutes joined his church and got married. Man swore off the bottle and quit gambling. Now I am almost out of business. Well,
9: I'll be in his church Sunday. By Monday,
8: he'll be in a casket.
1: Meanwhile, 40 miles away, a federal marshal was hot on Tom's trail.
8: Excuse me, cat folks. Uh, have you seen this fellow? Yes, marshal. He was headed for bottle reel. Much obliged. "'Sunday morning, back in Bottlesville.'
10: "'Sir, why are you wearing your guns to church?' "'Shut up, boy, or I'll kill
1: you where you stand!' "'Welcome, stranger. God bless you.' "'Soon, the sermon began. Terrible Tom was among the congregation.'
7: The devil is not going to get this town back. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. Devil, get out of here.
9: Wh- what's happening? I feel strange. Outside
1: in the town.
8: Sheriff, have you seen this cold-blooded killer? Yes, Marshal. He's in the church. Church? Trouble's a brewing, Sheriff. Get all your deputies and lots of shotguns and surround that church. Meanwhile, within, Terrible Tom hung
1: on the preacher's every word.
7: For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish in hell, but have everlasting life in heaven. No matter what sins you've committed, Jesus already paid for all of them on the cross. King David was a murderer, but after he repented, God called him a man after mine own heart. The Apostle Paul killed many Christians, but God saved him, then used him to write much of the New Testament. The man who was crucified next to Jesus was a criminal, but the Lord promised him, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. No matter how bad you are, Jesus loves you, and he wants to come into your heart and change you.
1: When the sermon ended, Terrible Tom approached the preacher, tears in his eyes.
7: Preacher, I never thought God would forgive a terrible sinner like me. He will, if you will repent and turn to him. Pray this prayer with me.
1: An hour later, when Terrible Tom left the church... Ah, uh, uh, freeze there, gunslinger! You're under arrest! Terrible Tom was thrown into prison, yeah. where the preacher came to visit him.
9: Preacher, thank you for telling me that Jesus loves terrible men like me!
7: You're not terrible anymore, Tom! You are now a child of God!
1: That night, Terrible Tom gazed out his window... Into the starry western sky, the waning moon smiling down on his
9: cell. I'm ready to meet you, God. I'll see you in the morning. And indeed,
1: the next morning, The marshal looked on, proud, as the trapdoor released and Tom's neck was broken by the noose tightened around his neck. The corpse swung in the wind, and as it did, the preacher covered his eyes at the sight.
8: At last! Terrible Tom done got exactly what he
1: deserved! However, minutes later in heaven, when Tom met God... Welcome home, my son. ...and back in Bottlesville...
7: Well, marshal, Tom's finally gone. Now how about you? Won't you trust the Lord Jesus as your savior?
8: Reverend, I'm the most honest law-abiding citizen in this here territory. Now, if I'm good enough for heaven... Then nobody is. However,
1: three hours later, a rattlesnake that was lying in wait atop a rock formation made an astounding leap as the marshal was riding his horse by. He latched his fangs right into the marshal's cheek. (laughs) A gaggle of dark specters appeared and tore the marshal's soul out of his body and proceeded to drag him into the deepest nether regions of hell. You know... Like in that movie, they began strapping him onto the rack in preparation for torture involving red hot pokers.
8: Wait a second! Stupid! I led a good life! Help! Help the law! But you never received Christ as your savior. And so,
1: the marshal burned eternally. And as he did, terrible Tom pranced about gaily in heaven, crying tears of thankfulness that the Lord forgave him. <laughs> <Ta-da>. <laughs> That's the end of Tractor Fiction. Uh, one thing we didn't necessarily mention is that after we finish acting out one of the works of Jack D- Jack Chick. We laugh T- Chick. for a long, long time. Uh, we laugh for a long time, but we also hold a debate. And
8: uh, with me are two people for this debate. Yeah. Alright, you, sir, what's your name? Uh, my name is Carl Winslas. Uh, I'm from Alabama. I'm sorry, can you say that name again? Carl- I am Carl Winslas, and I am, I am I'm from Tombstone. Carl Winslass. Okay. Carl Winslas, that's right. And you, sir, what's your name? Ding. I am Calamity John. Calamity John. Calamity John and I recognize Carl- seen your picture before. I'm going to flip this here coin. You do that, citizen sucker. You flip that there coin. If heads comes up, then that means... What was your name again? I forgot. <laughs> All <right>. I'm Carl. i dark like, dark
1: If Heads comes up, then Carl yeah, says right, that yes. this tract is true. And if Tails comes up, then this person says that the tract is true. And I Liar. have a better coin. A much superior coin. Liar. There we go. Oh my goodness, it's Heads. Carl, you think it's true. And you, sir, say it's false. Why don't we let the and false there.
10: start All right. first? False prophet. All right. Now, just listen to me. Just hear me out for a moment here. Now... Why in heaven's name would a worthy upholder of the law be tossed down to hell? Well, this terrible Tom get get a chance to prance about gaily in heaven. I mean, gay people aren't allowed in heaven anyway. What what is this?
8: You about there finished? What if I am? Well, if you is, then I'm going to speak. Now is you or is you ain't no none. Done? I, is I am indeed Good, now here's what I think Now, being that I am from Tennessee What on earth was that? That was my sound Was that, that the sound is of telling heaven? You, it sounded kind of like that heaven. is sound That is telling you that I am telling the truth now Now this here thing written by Mr. Chick Done be the best thing to ever come out of Jack Chick's mouth Since, uh, the trick Which I thought was a, a mighty, mighty good pamphlet Now, <laughs> excuse me <laughs> Now, here's what I think, boy. All right. Uh, The sheriff, yeah, he done do God's work on the planet by hanging people, because as we all know, Ren Snippy had it right with, Lord loves a hanging, that's why he gave us nicks. But he did not accept the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior, therefore he go down down to hell. Now, my whole family, we be safe. Why's that? Well, because we are from Tennessee. Oh, I see. (laughs) And Mississippi. Now down in Mississippi I don't know how you all do it there Mr. Calamity Joe Bob Ginseng Rats Don't give me no sass now boy I ain't giving you no sass press now You shut your old trap boy and speak your mind, because I'm speaking the truth I, have half, no, no, I now, have half a mind. I have
1: half a mind. Now, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. I have a couple of questions about this. All right? So, now, here's this is about the Old West. I was wondering, does Billy the Kid go to heaven or hell? Which one does he go to?
8: Well, now, 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 there, uh, there's a good question. Uh, what do you think, Calamity Shifaf? That is Calamity boy Calamity boy Son, just shut up and speak. Ding. Yeah. I got a mud wrestling match to go to. Two pigs is fighting. Them's good seats. Are you speaking or not? Yeah. You Your jaws are flapping, but I ain't hearing no sound. So speak, boy. I, I'd say Billy the Kid would go to heaven. <laughs> now, why? Why, because, why would he go to heaven? I don't understand. Why would he go to heaven? I'll tell you why. Because he oh. and his brother Frank... Oh, wait, I'm thinking of Jesse James. Never mind, Billy the Kid, he's done going to hell. Oh, he is? Oh, all oh, right. So I, I'd like it. to hear
10: why Why Billy the Kid be going to hell. Now, why would he
8: go to hell? I'm what not the one who said it. I'm what, not the one that... Would you just shut up and start talking? All right, all right, all right, all right. I have... Wait, 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 everyone. Everyone... All right, what?
1: I have a sudden expert. This is my this is my favorite Bible scholar. I think her name is
8: Anne Gasikinewicks. Mmm, she's pretty. Well, you get the bloody started out of Anne. here, dang blasted! You're screwing up the tape. Now I'm late, woman. Please, that's Miss Gasikinewicks. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh no, you're not. Is, wait, Miss or Miss? Liar. Ms. 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 Kas- no, Oh, one of them liberated, educated women. Ding. Now,
1: where exactly to are you from, um, Ms. Kluseliewicz?
9: I'm actually from Wyoming. Ding.
1: Okay, so te- can you tell us your opinion on what they've been saying, on their arguments so far?
9: Well, obviously, the Bible would support that, if you take a literal translation of it, obviously, which I'm sure we all do, that, yes, in fact, Billy the Kid would not go to heaven, because we have no factual evidence that he has taken Jesus as his savior. Alright, y- y'all get out of here with
10: this all uppity crap here. I, I would use other words, but, you know, it's before 10.
8: You ain't really Southern, are you? Now, I'm, I'm, wait a minute, I'm here wait to, to debate wait a whether you are actually Southern yes,
1: or not. Yes, this, this is a valid point. Can you, in fact, sing the song Dixie with the correct lyrics? I think you need to prove yourself,
8: sir. Yeah, prove your Southernness, boy. Because I'm from Georgia and I know exactly what I'm talking about. Go on, sing the song now. Mm hmm. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> now you, now, you, ju- now can you just hold, hold on from yeah, Alabama for me
10: oh, boy. Hold, hold, hold your horses here. Yeah, All right. right we're Bring holding. it on. Come on, hi. boy. There, oh. The horses are held. There, there are a lot of variations on the lyrics of Dixie, and I no would like around. to see what no. you consider to be the correct
1: lyrics.
8: Well, we'll judge those after we hear. If we so, do it first, sing, the Whole purpose. Start, start singing now. Of the, sing. I wanna, like you. A singing in church. I,
10: all right. th- now, don't you be telling me what to do. I want to see the
8: lyrics. All right. First. Let's do fill in the blank. All right. Oh, I wish I was in the, in the land, land of, of blank. Charles Dixie. Nelson rally. No, 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 not Dixie. No. <laughs> I wish I were in the, the land, land of... land of cotton, old time there, now i forgotten. Look away, look away, look away, Dixieland. That's... In Dixieland, I'll make my stand. Hooray for good old Dixie. Look away, I look away, look away for good old Dixie. Now sing some Alabama or George Jones. Can you, you sing Alabama? Can you sing Alabama? You got How about the Oak Ridge Boys? Elvira... Hey, I think we've pointed out a flaw here. You've yeah, the flaw is that but, this wait, boy ain't actually southern. But he's admitting. Let's lynch him. He's wait, not Southern! Let's hang him. Let's hang him like a good old boys. Let's hang him. southern. We're hang boy. Let's go hang Oh, oh,
1: and he's they're he's off. A oh, oh, a oh, lynching, and and they're off. They're running around.
8: It's the
0: Colonel! No, we got him, boys. Let's string him up.
1: All right. All right. Here we go. All right. Here we go. Everybody, settle down. While you're hanging. Hanging him, I need to decide who won the debate. Let me flip my coin. And oh, you know what? Coincidentally enough, Carl did win the debate. You can hang him freely. <laughs> All right.
8: For Make a, like a pig. Oh, speaking of pigs, I gotta get to the pig wrestling. Woo!
1: You won't be dancing gaily in heaven with God. All right, now as we as we listen to the sounds of the hanging fading into the distance, we leave you with the end of another episode of Tractor Fiction. Enjoy. <laughs> That episode of Tract or Fiction featured the voice talents of Frank Allen, Aaron Bass, Rich Bellin, Scott Finbow, Nicholas Roach, Sam Thomason, Angela Timon, Devon White, and Jordan D. White. Thank you very much, Rory. And, uh, we are, we are cruising through this episode. And that's good because, like I said, uh, just like last time, we have a whole bunch of stuff. Whole bunch. Very exciting. Um, we're gonna move right on to the next show at this oh, point. wait. Uh, hold on. We have to do the, the Frank Allen interview now. Frank Allen interview. No, actually, I, we're gonna, we're gonna hold that off until, I think, later in the show. Oh, uh, no, that doesn't actually, uh, sorry, that doesn't make any sense because it's an interview. No, with- I I know, I know. I just but w- like I said, we've got so much to do. We got so much to do. And I'm just going to hold it until later in the show. Later in the show, it'll be farther away from the track. It's an interview. I with- know, I know, I know, but I'm just saying Just trust me. I I mean, it just seems like this is the the thing we're going to do right now. I don't understand. No, I know, I know. Just, just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. Uh, We're going to move on to Decker and Hayes now. We're going to move on to Decker and Hayes, which is Decker and Hayes episode three. And again, this is another one that's in the first season of Decker and Hayes, so it's all recorded live. Again, I've tried to clean it up since then, so hopefully, it'll sound a little bit better than it did as it aired, or even if you downloaded it from the site. So that's really exciting. It's going to be the third episode. It's called Crossroads. If you remember, Decker and Hayes were hired by a woman named Tess Nichols to find out what happened to her husband. He was dead and she didn't know why he was murdered and or even how he was murdered. He was found in a dumpster outside the Blue Diner. Oddly enough, the owner of the diner didn't seem to know about it, uh, even though the body had just been found the night before. Girls were sort of running out of leads after going to the Blue Diner when they decided to stop for a bite. Here we are, Decker and Hayes.
6: It was dirty, angry, dying. It had old prostitutes and young junkies, rich bookies and poor gamblers. The men drank until their dreams stopped keeping them up. The women pushed around the dust with old brooms, and the kids talked about leaving until they grew old and died. It was a city full of crime and empty of hope. It was this hole in the soul of the world that Stella Decker and Macy Hayes crawled out of. Two restless spirits with more courage than sense, and more passion than love. Together in the loneliness, they started Decker and Hayes, a private investigation agency for the financially secure and spiritually desperate. Now the alluring Tess Nichols had hired them to investigate the death of her corrupt husband, whose fortune in life had been lost in curious circumstances. At her tearful behest, they set out for answers as a blizzard covers Parlor Town like a gravedigger with something to prove. Inquiries had led them nowhere fast, and the time had come for some lunch.
5: Look, we know where this goes. Batman has kryptonite. Kryptonite kills Superman. Superman's down in ten seconds. End of story. Only if Batman knows he's coming. Superman's the fastest man on Earth. He can get
9: the jump on him, no problem. First
5: of all, the Flash is the fastest man on Earth. Second, you're wrong.
9: You're just too stubborn to admit that I'm right. You're just
5: too stupid to realize you've lost.
9: I must be stupid to keep loving you. (laughs) Jerk. Candy thighs.
5: Fine, you win.
9: Afternoon, ladies. What all can I get you? A mushroom omelet, french fries instead of hash browns, and a root beer. Burger
5: for you, hon? Yeah, and a coffee, please.
9: Coming right up. So what do you think of Nichols? Never thought
5: of you as the kind of girl who'd go for a threesome, sugar. I meant the husband. Any idea about what's going on? Got nothing. Some broken plates in a dumpster. Someone went through it before or after the body was stashed. Beyond that, I'm in the dark. Could it be the diner owner? Stiffener? Whatever his name is. Stickler.
9: Yeah, him. He said himself. He went back to throw out the porcelain. How did he miss a dead body? <laughs>
5: mm, yeah, now that I think about it.
9: <sighs> that doesn't prove anything, though. Guy seems pretty jaded. Lived here so long, he doesn't see anything that might be trouble.
5: Which means he'll be no help at all. Great. It's like Parlor Town's some kind of game show where being useless makes you win. We keep running into returning champions. Hey, as long as the lady's paying us...
9: It can take as long as it has to.
7: And speak of the devil Hello, Miss Decker, Miss Hayes. I was walking by and saw you in here. Thought you might have some good news.
9: I'm sorry, Miss Nichols. Tess, please. Tess. We know a little more, but there's not much in the way of progress.
7: Oh dear. This is awful. Poor Jack. (laughs) Uh,
9: uh, Don't worry, Tess. We'll crack this wide open. No problem.
7: Oh, I I hope so. Sorry, it's just been so horrible. I can barely sleep knowing his killer is still out there somewhere. Do you mind if I smoke?
9: No problem. Go ahead.
7: Um, that's a very nice cigarette case, Miss Nichols. What? Oh, thank you. It was a wedding present from a family friend. With your initials, T-W-N? Yes, the W is my maiden name. I thought
5: as much. Uh, I'll meet you back in the office, Stella. Miss Nichols. What was that all about?
9: Not sure. Still, she's got that look. What look? The look she gets when she's got an idea she doesn't like. I've seen that look before. I'll never forget the first time I saw her have it. When was that? The day she met me. Mushroom omelet and
0: burger.
6: Macy Hayes walked back to the blue diner with murder in her eyes and on her mind. Wheels spun. Pieces fit into place. She wasn't sure she wanted to see it through, but she'd promised herself long ago that nothing would ever be left unsaid, no matter what the cost. I remember you. You were with that Decker
4: girl.
5: Yes, I'm, I'm Macy Hayes. I was wondering if I could talk with the waitress who was on duty last night. The
4: police already did that. She's busy now.
5: Oh, just one or two questions. I won't be any bother.
4: She'll be in the back. Make it quick.
5: Thank you very much.
4: Yeah, I'm a people person.
6: Macy made her way to the back, where a pretty young redhead was stacking some plates. The curve of her neck was slightly like Stella's, but Macy pushed that thought aside. She had work to do. She put a hand on her purse, which contained her makeup, her knitting, and her gun. The soft green paisley gave no hint of the lethal weapon inside. It was kind of like Macy herself, really.
11: Um, can I help you, miss?
5: I hope so. I'd like to ask you about the night Jack Nichols was murdered.
11: Um, I already told the policeman. He sat there for a while, ate the blue plate special, and left.
5: You're lying. What? You're lying. Tell me what really happened.
11: Why do you say that? Your
5: body gives you away. Little ticks, your eyes shift, you're playing with your hair, your pulse is racing. You must think I'm stupid to lie to my face and not think I'd catch it. You're going to tell me what the truth is right now or I'll drag you down to the precinct house and get the cops and beat it out of you.
11: You wouldn't dare.
5: Probably not. I could just beat it out of you right here. I don't have to leave any marks.
11: No, no, please. I'll talk.
5: I knew you would. He wasn't alone, was he?
11: For an hour or so he was. Then a man came in. Tall guy with long fingers and a trench coat. Sat at his table and they talked for a while.
5: Older man, gray eyes.
11: Couldn't tell you about the eyes. He was wearing tinted glasses. Little round ones? That's the guy. He talks to Nichols for maybe two hours. Ordered hot water. Sat there sipping at it while he talked. Nichols looked more and more scared. Then they both get up, pay, and leave. As he walks out, the tall guy gives me this look. God, I can feel it through the glasses. Just thinking about it freaks me out and says, I wasn't here. Dry, quiet voice, right? Yeah. Jeez. Haven't been sleeping right since then. You know the guy?
6: Macy leveled a gaze at the waitress that seemed to bore right through her and into the wall behind her. No. Macy made her way back to the front smiling lightly at Stickler. Find what you need, Miss Hayes?
5: Yeah, thanks a lot. Have a great day.
6: As Macy made her way back to the office of Decker and Hayes, Stella had finished lunch with Tess and returned there herself. Tommy Potsdam, their secretary, was crouched in front of an open drawer, filing some paperwork away. Stella walked past him toward her office, but stopped as she noticed something different.
9: Tommy? Yes, Miss Decker? Is that a hickey on your neck? Uh no, ma'am. Uh, just, uh, uh... A hickey? Tommy? Pretty good one, too. Sometimes they bite too hard. I hate that. So where'd you get it? Um, uh, it's nothing, Miss Stecker. Come on, Tommy, what's the harm? Just us guys here. <laughs> well... I had a date last night. Uh, a girl I met at my night class. Girls! Excellent choice. What's her name? Rhiannon. <laughs> Rhiannon? Her parents were going to go with Sarah, but they thought it was too common. Well, I've heard worse, I guess. What's she
12: like? Kinda tall, about an inch shorter than me, and really pretty. Got some curve on her? Oh, yes. Like a Ming vase. I thought girls like her only came in magazines.
9: Nice. How's she to talk to? Nah,
12: a little scatterbrained. She'd be brilliant if
9: she could focus for long enough. Aw, oh, too bad. Well, can't have everything. Although I guess you came pretty close last night, huh? Well, she isn't much for a conversation. <laughs> Good job, Tommy boy. Oh, hey baby. How's the goose chase going?
5: Huh? Oh, yeah, fine. I need to make a call though. Give me a few minutes.
9: Um, okay, sure. Man, I wonder what's on her mind. She looked kind of worried. Yeah. Listen, Miss Stecker, you won't talk to Miss Hayes about it, will you? My lips are sealed, Tommy. Now, tell me more about your lovely lady.
6: Macy closed and locked the door to the office she shared with Stella behind her. She sat down, pulled out a cigarette and lit up. It didn't take long to get her pacing back and forth across the floor. Her mind was filled with old memories and blue porcelain, corrupt businessmen and dumpsters and secretive men in trench coats. When she reached the end of her first cigarette, she lit another. Two became three, became four as she picked up the phone and dialed from memory a number she'd thought she'd forgotten.
5: Come on. Come on. Don't disappear when I need you, damn it.
0: and Cross, how
5: may I help you? I'd like to speak to Anthony Cross, please. I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm afraid Dr. Cross is in a meeting right now. It's urgent. Could you tell him it's Macy Hayes, please? Please hold.
6: Min half-crawled past like a year as Macy stood in the office, cradling the phone receiver in one hand and crushing out her cigarette with the other. The clock on the wall seemed to slow and stop as she ground the butt into the ashtray on her desk. Finally, the music stopped, and a voice she'd prayed she'd never hear again came over the line, quiet and dry, like a snake with a secret to tell.
0: it's been too long. Not long enough. You haven't changed a bit, I see.
5: Cut the crap, Paladin. I'm not in the mood.
0: How have you been, dear? Do you still have that dog I bought you?
5: I said cut the crap, Paladin. What do you know about Jack Nichols' murder?
6: The silence was deafening. For a moment, Macy felt like time itself had stood still, until she felt a bead of sweat run down the side of her face. She realized her hand was shaking. When Cross spoke again, her heart almost stopped.
0: <laughs> Well, 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 Lolita, the particle daughter, returns at last
12: with the most awkward questions. You never did know when to keep your nose out of other
0: people's business.
6: The snow keeps falling on Parlor Town and the questions get harder. Who is Dr. Anthony Cross? Is Macy more involved in the Nichols murder than anyone knew? What is the significance of Tess W. Nichols? Will Tommy and Rihanna go steady? Tune in next week for the next episode of Decker and Hayes, The Girl Next Door.
1: In that episode of Decker and Hayes, the narrator was Daniel Schwartz, Stella Decker was Angela Tymon, Macy Hayes was Lynn Nelson, Tess Nichols was Devon White, Tommy Potsdam was Nicholas Roach, the waiter was Derek McNish, Stickler was Sam Thomason. The receptionist and the waitress were Magdalena Richards. And Dr. Anthony Cross was Aaron Vaz. The theme song was by Michael Temporary Card Makowski. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Now it is time for another one of the uh, bonus things that we do have on our show. But, uh, you know... I know I said there going to be a Frank Allen interview, but there actually isn't. What? No, th- again, this is two weeks in a row. You're going to bump my interview? No, no, I know, Frank, I know, but this one is not actually... We're not replacing it with something that Rory did. We're replacing it with something else of yours. What? What What else of mine do you have? Well, that's a funny story. Um, Rory, do you want to tell him? Oh, yes, actually. As the listeners know, of course, uh, that we, we had a trip to Binghamton a few weeks ago, and... Um, while I was there, I I renewed some some friendships with uh, people in the local area that that I knew. Uh, one of them, of course, being my contact in the police department, who was able to clue me in on historical events that were going on at the time in in Binghamton that could be possible variations for alternate realities. At any rate, the point is, um, he hooked me up with a recording, uh, which I you know managed to bring to this podcast, and hopefully uh, we will all enjoy it. It is, of course, a recording of you, Mr. Frank Allen. Uh, recording your show, car debate. You've got the recording of car debate. Why didn't you tell me? Again, I, I thought it would be a pleasant surprise. Uh, well, uh, yeah, uh I mean, I'm, uh, I'm glad that th- that it's we have the recording. But I mean, do we? I, we don't have to put it on the show. It's not. I don't think it was ready exactly for for airing. No, no. It's. I mean, I listened to it and I think it's fine. <laughs> I don't see where the problem is. Well, I, I think. I don't know that I necessarily... I mean, it's nice of you guys to want to include my new works. And that, No, and that's exactly what it is. We just wanted to include the new the new works of Frank Allen, because people hear about exactly them. Exactly correct. We want to share them with the world. Uh, well, again, that's nice of you, but I don't know if that's necessarily a good idea. Well, it's an, it's an idea that's happening. So, here we go. This is the first episode of Car Debate. Enjoy. Oh, uh... right. is this thing on? It's on. All right. Uh, hi... This is Frank Allen, and you are hearing the very first episode of Car Debate, uh, where we get in a car, drive around, and debate. It's going to be very exciting. Uh, our two editors are getting in the car, climbing. Uh, thank you. Ooh, spacious. Oh. Thank you. And Not right uh, to my satisfaction. satisfaction. They're going to be here in the back seat, but uh, they're in the back seat. I'm going to be driving up here in the front, and let's get on the road. Okay? There we go. Uh, All right. All right. Uh, As I pull out, uh, let's talk about our topic. Now, uh, both of these guys are experts. Actually, let's introduce ourselves first. Um, Debater number one.
3: Oh, yes. Uh, I want to thank you very much for the ride. Uh, My name's uh, Edgemont Montpellier of the uh, 33rd Street Democrats.
1: Welcome. Welcome. Uh, Mr. uh, uh, Montpellier. Montpellier Edgemont. Edgemont. That's Mont. right. two yeah. There's two Monts. Edgemont Montpellier. That's
3: right. It's because of the construction of my name. You see, if you look at it, there's Mont in the first name and Mont in the second name, which amounts with a certain amount
1: of addition to two. All right. And Mr. Second Debater, speaking of two. Ah, uh, yes. I
3: am
6: Peter Lagrange, the world's greatest detective. Excellent. Uh, are you detecting something currently? Well, mostly that the interior of this car is very comfortable. Thank you. Although this seat belt is giving me a little bit of trouble. Give me a moment.
1: Ah, there we go. Like do, you n- do you need me to move my seat forward? Oh, no. No. Okay. It's fine. All right. Uh, now, we got to get to our topic. This Is, is, is be- this
3: a self-heated seat? I've been acquainted with several seats in other cars which heat themselves when sat upon.
1: Uh, no, no, no. It's not self I mean, it, it's it, when you sit on it, it kind of gets heated because body heat. That
3: must be what I'm experiencing.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. Let's get to the topic as I... Hold on. Let me just... All right. Uh, sorry. I was just... I had to drive for a second. Um, Let's get to the topic. Uh, We are taking this right from today's headlines. Uh, There are two, as you may or may not know, two Democratic candidates still in the running at the time of this recording, Uh, Mr. Barack Obama and uh, Mrs. Hillary Clinton. Uh, We're going to debate which one is, in fact, a uh, better... Hold on, I (sighs) won't... Flip a coin Mr. Uh, Edgemont Montpellier believes that Obama is the best candidate, and uh, Mr.... LaGrange. LaGrange believes that it's Hillary. Uh, Now, as I just hang... Left. Yeah. We are going to start with uh, Mr. O- uh, Obama's supporter. Go
3: ahead. Well, that's right. Clearly, uh, I believe that Obama is the the best uh, supporter, the the best candidate uh, to be supported for president because uh, he he's the one I became uh, f- I became familiar with uh, first. Uh, and a lot of the people that live on my block uh, said they were going to vote, and they they didn't say who they were going to vote for. But I've seen him on television a great deal, and uh, I I decided to organize. And uh, honestly, when he heard about the, the fact that I, I had a, a democratic uh, organization he was I I, I actually uh I, he, he didn't he said to me that he support well he didn't say it specifically to me but what he said on television was he supported anyone who was involved in a democratic organization which I am and I appreciated that vote of confidence well by the way you jerk I am sorry I, no, I I didn't mean talk, to talk car oh no I, because because clearly he if I start he's speaking to me if I start an organization then and, and um, as soon as I uh, acquire some members, we'll we'll be all for him too, and it will be oh. a, a symb- symbiotic relationship between us because Mister oh. Mister uh, Obama appeals very much, I think, to 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 Mister uh, O'Flaherty, who lives across the hall, because he's Irish as well. And uh, I sorry, think Irish? I'm about to Irish. Yes, is he Irish, Mister He speaks with an Irish Obama, accent. Obama. Yes, he's Irish. I presume he's Irish. I, I it does explain that. that accent. Well, that's yeah. I mean, that's something I didn't hear about. But Mr.
6: Um, Lagrange, Lagrange, I was giving you a different name. It's it's all right. It's a common mistake, actually. I go under many pseudonyms. It's, it's difficult. I have to keep my eyes on the road. D- of course, I can't. Look I understand. Um,
1: all right. Uh, well, what's your what's your argument for Mr. Clinton, Ms. Clinton? Uh, Mrs. Clinton.
6: Yes, Senator Clinton, actually. Oh, sorry. Well, also Senator Obama, but really, since I'm supporting Clinton, I'm going to go for that one first. Please, support. Well, as you may or may not know, I first made the acquaintance of Hillary Clinton in the case of the toast. You may have read about it in the newspapers. No, I don't remember that. Well, you see, there was some toast, and I had to figure out what that was all about. It turns out that some bread had caught fire.
1: Wow, and that made toast? Yes. I w- it must have been very burnt toast. Uh, highly oh, burnt I, I think, toast. I don't think I'd want that toast. Well, naturally, nobody did. That's why I was being invested. Of course. Excellent. Now, wh- okay, yeah, but what uh, What does that have to do with, why do we, Hillary... Oh, yes.
6: Well, as I was performing my investigations, I had the occasion to be disguised as the Girl Scout commander, Lolita Von Trapp, and I spent a great deal of time interacting with other high-profile members of the American government. Okay. Including then-President Clinton and then-First Lady Hillary Clinton. Hey, Hillary
3: Clinton was never president. Did I misspeak? No, sorry. I misheard. Uh, it, I, there was the horn outside. Oh, I Hang on, hang on Oh, sorry Mm -hmm. Okay, sorry, sorry Anyway, and
6: Mrs. Clinton struck me, not only as the woman best suited for the job of First Lady, but also the woman most physically proximate to the President himself. True. It
1: seemed as if every time... Well, you know what? Now that I think about it, not always true. Apparently, I've heard there was some time when there was another woman.
6: Well, no, there were other women who had proximity that was equal to hers. Or more. But for consistent proximity, I measured it. I used a tape measure. A good Girl Scout commandress always carries a tape measure. I'm sorry, you're a Girl Scout? I was disguised as a Girl Scout commander. Oh, Really, those notes must be very hard to read while you're driving.
1: Yeah, I, well, I have to... I can't read them.
3: I, I can read them to you uh, if you hand them well, to no, me. Well, I, no,
1: I can't hand them to... I, look, I'm busy. i got to keep my hands 10 and two.
3: Oh. But no, in terms of... I, I actually
1: would kind of get car sick. Well, ho- actually, hang on. If you could uh, pull over... Oh. I, I do need to pull over. I do need to pull oh. over, because we got somebody waiting there on the, uh, on the side of the road. Oh, okay. Ah. okay, uh, Sir, sir. Uh, yet. Yes? Hi, right, uh, this is a new radio show. It's called Car Debate. We're having a debate live recorded in this car, and we want to have your opinion. Um, uh,
3: before you give your opinion, I should tell you I've been very convincing.
1: Oh, well, this guy uh, says... I'll keep that in mind. This guy says Obama is best because he's Irish. This guy well, says... He, and also he endorsed us by proxy. And he likes... And Obama likes him. And this guy says that Hillary's better because she was near the president.
6: Yeah, she's been way closer to the Oval Office more consistently.
1: So what do you think about either of those things? They're, they're, they're both very much... Uh, very. Valid points. Yeah, so, Obama but, is Irish. We, we were trying to confirm this.
3: Well, uh, I'm not entirely sure. I'd have, have to... speculated in detail about his passport. Right.
12: Uh, Well, I know that he openly admits to being other nationalities, but uh, I- Irish is not one that I've heard him say he is. So, wait. So,
1: if he's not an American, how can he be president? Well, he's still American. He's just not. Whoa, whoa! You can be two nationalities. Well, you know, I- you can know be.
3: Many people I... with work permits that permit them employment in this country. The, I should say that he's from another nationality. In addition. It, his heritage
12: comes from another nation, as all of ours does in America, since we all did immigrant here at one point or another. Oh, okay,
3: so uh, which... I don't recall immigrating here So most... which one of them sounds better based on these facts?
12: I- I'd have to say that uh, the-, the-, the man who likes Hillary sounds better, because I have a hard time believing that Obama is Irish.
3: Uh, could I please ask you to reconsider based on the fact that you're not correct? Uh, y- you could, but I find that my reconsidering still finds Hillary in the favor in this
6: matter. Thank you very much, sir. Allow me to present you with this complimentary copy of The Count of Monte Cristo. By Alexander.
1: What? Awesome. Oh, okay. Well, that's very strange. All right. Well, we got to pull up. Uh, there's actually some more people over there. We're just going to pull up and see what they think. Uh, thank you for, for talking to us. Right. Not a problem. Enjoy the book. Let's just pull up a little bit. I see a woman over here. Uh, ma'am. Yes. I, I'm Frank Allen. We're having a car debate. This guy says uh, o- Obama's an Irish guy, and that makes him better. And he likes th- Obama. Likes him. This guy says Hillary's better because she's been near the Oval Office. The guy we just talked to said uh, that Hillary's probably better because Obama's not Irish. So what do you what do you think? Hillary also is not Irish. Hillary's not Irish. I don't know that that's true, but okay.
11: Hmm. I would
4: probably say Hillary is better because... Because
1: she's not Irish?
4: Because she's not Irish. But neither
1: of them is Irish.
3: Your opinion would be more worthwhile if it were the other one. He's saying you should be
1: Obama. Like I said, he's supporting Obama.
2: But neither of them are Irish. No, neither of them are
1: Irish. If this is an Irish race, neither of them wins.
3: I might stand corrected on that point, but nonetheless, Obama is, is... I'm, I'm very near to convincing somebody else on the block to vote for Obama and then I could get my group off the ground.
1: So he's forming a group to support Obama and if he gets people to like him, maybe the group will be worthwhile. What do you say to that?
5: Why should I like Obama?
1: That's a good question. Where do you live? New York. 33rd Street? Yes. Oh, definitely you should like
3: Obama because on, on 33rd Street.
2: I'm, I'm sitting here. Hold on. Sorry.
3: We, we, we're we forming a, a democratic group opposed to uh, monarchism, fascism. Whoa, communism.
6: whoa. Hillary He's a fascist monarch? Don't be ridiculous. In reality, Hillary is neither of those things. And since we live in reality, Mr. Montpelier, I think that you will have to confine yourself to, in fact, the facts of that matter. Now, oh. madam, perhaps you would consider a matter of physical distance. In the last two decades, Hillary Clinton has been significantly closer to the White House than Barack Obama has, at some time sleeping there or eating her
1: breakfast.
4: One would have to assume, though, that if elected, Barack Obama would actually go to the White House and would be there.
1: That's true. You know, one would have to assume that. All right. Thank you. We got to have to drive on. Uh, this is car debates. We're driving. Uh, thank you. All right. Let's just pull over this way. Uh, let see. Uh, so, I mean, w- did she just sway anybody there? I mean, she just said if, if, if Hillary, I mean, if Barack will be in the way
3: do you think it might be possible for me to become the leader of an organization supporting Hillary Clinton?
6: It is entirely possible. I, for instance, in my former capacity as a Girl Scout commander, can tell you how to do it.
3: Do you think Hillary Clinton would support my organization supporting her most likely. I don't really care either way, then. No,
1: you have, you're for you're for Obama. You're for Obama. I, I'm sorry. For,
3: don't okay. change
1: the show. This is my show. This is the pilot of the show. Um, that
6: was a red light, Mr. Oh. Oh. Right, Holmes.
3: That on. that man is chasing you. What man in the car with the oh. flashing lights? Right, hold on. Let me, just let
6: me just. Just let me hide this bottle.
1: What? Oh, what are you doing with that bottle? Um. Oh my. Not drinking. Hold on. It seems that- Hold on, here he comes, here he comes.
6: It seems that I have solved the case of the man with the bottle.
13: Oh,
1: hang on. Let me roll up. Hi, gentlemen. Did you see that stoplight back there?
13: Wait,
3: I can bribe him with
1: my counterfeit bills. No, pills. stop it! Yes, I, I'm sorry. I missed the stoplight. Uh, I have real
13: ones. No, I embezzled stop, it. stop it! Stop it! Excuse me, sir. Yes. In the back seat. Could you be quiet for a moment.
3: Yes, I could probably manage that. Good. With, it's with something that you desire. It is.
13: All right. Uh,
1: I'm you know, sorry. I missed it. I, I missed it. I, it was.
13: So you saw that that was a red light. I saw it. I saw it,
1: Like after the fact. Like, may did, I, I, did.
13: I see your license and registration, sir? Please. Yeah. Hold on. Let me just. Uh, so, okay. Here you go. Yes, sir. So are uh, you boys been drinking tonight?
1: No. No, I'm driving. I'm doing a show. This is a show. It's not a drinking.
13: You're doing a show. show. Yeah, yeah. I'm in your car. car, see the you know tape recorder here. It's for the radio. It's for, for the radio, radio. in yeah. your car. It's a debate show. Well, it's, I, I, a
3: car. We're going to convince people of my opinions.
1: Well, he's trying to. Yeah. Well, I, well, do you have an opinion on uh, uh, Barack Obama versus Hillary Clinton? That's what we're doing the show on.
13: Gentlemen, could you step out of the car and put your hands in the hood right here? I'm sorry. Why are you? Oh, gentlemen. What are you? What are you could doing? you please? Okay. Uh... Sir, please don't bring the tape recorder. Well, but I, clearly, a my tape recorder. Supporter. I have to. I mean, I'm doing a show. Fine, fine. You want my opinion on Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton? Yeah. If you could. I think they both suck. And you want to know why? Why? Because none of them have ever been in a war. They don't know what life is like here on the front lines. This isn't a war. This is a war. You've seen the crime and degradation around this society.
1: We, we didn't mean to run the red light.
13: We just... oh, you didn't mean? No, no one means. They didn't mean to sell drugs. They didn't
1: mean to murder their mother in their sleep. Well, I think they I... did mean to do those
13: <sighs> I never meant to murder my mother in my sleep. Boy, I'm going to pretend you didn't say that. Now, uh, you guys look clean. I'm going to let you go. With a warning! Oh, and uh, a tape recorder. I think I'm going to have to take that.
1: What's my show? What do you? Why would you what? have to take my... Sir! That episode of Car Debate featured the voice talents of... Frank Allen, Charles Berman, Pat McGuire... Matthew Sanders, Daniel Schwartz, Rachel Tarlow, and Jordan D. White. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, um, thank you for retrieving that, uh, Rory. I, I do want to ha- have that for my archives. Uh, again, I don't think as a, a pilot that it was truly successful, so I don't, necessa- I don't think I would have chosen to share it this time. No, no, Frank, you know, you're being too hard on yourself. It was very funny and it was good. It was good. I don't think it was embarrassing at all. Well, I didn't think, I didn't think of it as embarrassing. I just said it wasn't ready. Well, good. I, no, I'm saying it's not embarrassing. You know, it shouldn't be embarrassed. Well, I wasn't. Now, I mean, now I'm wondering why would you even say that? I'm, you know, it's, I, I don't even think that there's a reason. So I'm going to move on to the next show then. Uh, this is Epic Echoes. This is the Of Backwards series. So, of course, every episode takes place before the previous one we've heard. This is one of my favorite episodes of the first season. It might be my favorite episode of the first season. It was just such a blast to do. Its uh, its name is a slight play on words, if you understand what I mean. Well, it, really, it's more of an allusion, a, a, a joking allusion to another story. It's called Call Off Cthulhu, and it was written by me, which is why I love it so much, because I love me. Don't don't you love me?
2: Well, I, I love you because right, you're my dad. If that's what you mean, but I don't think you're the best guy ever.
1: Oh, thank you. Uh, here we go with Epic Echoes. Enjoy.
4: Series, Episode 4, Call Off Cthulhu, by Jordan D. White. Dralis's face filled the screen of all the monitors around the astronomical monitoring station. Her lips were curled into a sly grin, her brow drawn in disdain. She licked her lips as she let her words sink in. That gives you approximately six
9: hours to get your affairs in order and prepare to hand over complete leadership of the world's governments to me officially otherwise this planet and everyone on it will be destroyed i know my brother dex is dead thornfield it's no matter to me he served his purpose the field is up and running i'll find another lover sooner than you can say we seed the planet to you O oh most beloved mistress six hours planet earth
4: enjoy them The screens went blank.
9: No!
12: That can't be all. There's got to be a way to stop the field.
4: Max rushed over to Dex's dead body, the wounds in his chest still smoking from the twin blasts that took out his two hearts. Max began to search him. What are you looking for?
12: Anything. Anything we can use to shut down this field.
1: No, Max. Dex was telling the truth. They were only using this station for calculations. None of the actual field generators are on planet. They're off-world with Dralis Nova Carrier. There has to be something! Notes!
12: Keycards! Information! Something!
7: He destroyed it all! We saw him do it!
12: But there has to be- What? Why
0: would she- What is it?
12: Dralis' locket! Why would Dex have it? She never took it off when we were young. Remember, Maul?
7: How does that help us?
12: It doesn't. I was just surprised. Uh, Forget it. Leave it to burn with the body. Oh, it will burn!
14: It will burn in the same fires of destruction as will you all! You may have thwarted me before, but now you feel the pangs of utter destruction at the all-powerful hands of Cthulhu!
4: The flashbacks spun on their heels and turned to face the Great Old One. He stood in the doorway they had entered through, his many tentacles writhing and swishing about in anticipation. His booming voice still resonated in the fear centers of their brain, even though he now stood an unimposing two feet tall. His wings were still slightly torn from the explosion back on Pluto.
5: Did you say the pangs of utter destruction? Because I always thought utter destruction might be a little more painful than that.
1: That are not painful at all. I mean, if you've been utterly destroyed, how could you feel anything?
7: It depends on which view of the soul one takes... It is possible that nothingness could greet you upon your destruction, or that a part of you will remain with-
14: Silence, worthless piddlings! You may have reduced the stature of the mighty Cthulhu in our last encounter, but all that is done is assured that your destruction will be slower and more painful than you could- Look, this- this really isn't a
12: good time for this. You might not have noticed, but there is a real threat to the planet right now
14: that we need to deal with. So if you don't mind... If Cthulhu does not mind, the great and mighty Cthulhu wastes not time on the concerns of you puny wretches. You are so far beneath me as to be below any conscious concern of mine whatsoever.
5: If we're so far below your concern, why did you take the time to track us down to get revenge on us?
14: Cthulhu need not answer your questions, human. My ways are my own. Alien to minds as simple as yours. Rooted as they are in right and wrong. Slaves to-
4: Okay, this is getting old. Keen kicked out her foot and swiped the Old One's legs out from underneath him. As he fell, her arms shot out in his direction and grabbed a fistful of tentacle. She swung Cthulhu around by his facial appendages a few times before releasing him sending him flying into the astral imaging display controls. The green god creature's eyes closed as he slumped to the floor.
7: Can we go now? We should get to Jimmy. Jimmy? Does he need us?
12: No, that's a good idea, Keen. With Drellis giving this ultimatum, we really should stand by our friend, the President. Let's head back to the trolley.
1: Max. Max, I'm sorry. What? What for? I let you down with Dex. I was scared. I, He was going to kill me, and I... I was just so scared! Don't
12: worry, Crisp. It comes with being free. Besides, free people are free to make mistakes too. You've proven yourself plenty since you've joined us.
1: But this was the whole reason I joined up with you in the first place. To stop the creation of Dralis Field. To free the Earth from her reign.
12: We're going to stop her, Crisp. This is just a temporary setback.
1: Oh. Oh. Okay, I... I just thought... Well, I just thought since we had no leads and really no ideas how to stop her that we were sort of out of luck. Well, yes. There's that. Uh, why don't you run
12: ahead? Help unload the banana crates. We're going to want to move a little faster, I think. Sure thing.
4: Max watched as Crisp ran up to the trolley and joined in with the rest of the flash pack, each passing large boxes of fruit off the trolley and piling them up on the docking platform on the edge of the astronomical monitoring station. Keen accidentally threw one of the crates a little too far, and it plummeted off the edge of the floating station through the thousands of feet to the Himalayas below. Oops. Suddenly, reality seemed to slow around Max until, for a fraction of a second, it stood completely still. Then it promptly reversed. The crate flew up over the side of the station's rim and into Keen's hands before she placed it back in the trolley. As everything Max had just seen began crawling slowly backwards, he felt a hand on his shoulder. You need to come see me. Alyssa? Outside time. It's the only way.
12: How can we do that?
5: I'm sure you'll think of something. You do have a time turnover with you, do you not?
12: Slaughter? Yeah, but she doesn't know how to tell- tam- You
5: may want to take care of your personal business first, just in case.
4: Alyssa gestured to Max's front pocket, where he could feel the brooch sitting heavily. How did you- But Alyssa was gone, replaced with Crisp.
1: Oh, oh, okay, I, I just thought- Well, I just thought since we had no leads and really no ideas how to stop her that we were sort of out of luck. Ha
12: ha ha, who said we didn't have a lead? Come on. We've got a course to set. Let's go unload those banana crates. Keen, be careful.
4: Yes, boss. The flash pack unloaded the crates quickly without mishap. Here, Crispy. Have a bite of your first banana.
1: Oh, alright. Am I just supposed to...
5: Uh, (coughs) No, you're not supposed to eat the whole (coughs) thing at once. You... (coughs) Well, you were supposed to take bites. But forget it now. It's wasted. Chuck it.
12: Alright, gang. We've got places to go and worlds to save.
14: First, we need to head off to- You're not going anywhere, Flashpack, except to the eternal burning acids of my gullet. when I devour you whole? Oh, for Pete's sake. Your precious Peter cannot save you now. The time has come for you to feel the unfeeling wrath of the Great Old One, Cthulhu!
4: Cthulhu stood astride the trolley's control panel dashboard, his head a little bruised, but his inhuman eyes agleam once more with hatred. Can one be a Great Old One when one is the size of a toddler?
14: Is that- Zen?
7: Wait, guys. Look. This is serious.
14: Ah, at last. Someone recognizes the threat of the great Cthulhu. Yes, I am a mighty, imposing figure. Oh my god, how did... Okay. Okay, Cthulhu.
12: We'll do whatever you like.
14: Ha ha, yes, at last. The mighty Cthulhu will have Max Thornfield and his pathetic flashback bowing before him. Get down on your knees, whelps. Do it.
4: The Flash Pack got down on their knees and bowed their heads, supplicating themselves before the mighty creatureling.
0: Yes, that's right.
14: Recognize me as the superior being I am. I shall take this flying station as my throne vehicle, and you all shall remain as my servants, fulfilling my every whim while I overtake the entire planet, as I rightfully should. Sound off, slaves. Does that sound like a good idea to you? Yes, most gracious one.
5: We all bow before your magnificence. Even if it is slightly diminished.
11: You certainly are impressive.
14: Yes, as they said. Yes, yes, I am. And yet I don't trust your conversion just yet. Likely you will try to escape my clutches the moment my back is turned. Thornfield, take out this vehicle, salinite crystal. The crystal? Yes, I intend to crush it beneath my foot, here before you, thus destroying your transport's power. But... "'Nothing can break Salonite.' "'See there? You doubt your master! Give me the crystal! I shall show you Cthulhu's true power!'
4: Max reached down below the control panel near the garbage can. He winked at the flash pack, and they could see the twinkle in his eye that told them he was casting a small glamour, the one magical ability he seemed to have intrinsically. His hand came up holding the Salonite crystal, which he delicately placed on top of the controls, about a foot to Cthulhu's left.'
14: Now, you misbegotten charlatans, you will witness my might in all its glory. You thought Cthulhu was a being you could mess around with, but witness now his awe-inspiring strength, creating destruction on a level you have never dreamed of achieving.
4: The beastling positioned himself beside the crystal and raised his foot above it, preparing to destroy it with a mighty downstroke. As he brought the foot down, however, Max released his glamour, and the crystal was revealed for the banana peel it truly was. As Cthulhu's foot came down upon it, it slid off the panel, pulling the green critter off balance. As his arms swung wildly, attempting to grab onto anything he could, he slipped off the front of the trolley and into the air, filling the void between the station and the Himalayas that hovered above. Cthulhu flapped his injured wings at bumblebee-like speeds, but to no avail. Their torn and charred skin would not hold him aloft. With one last cry, the beast fell out of sight. Me! Oh, thank the spirit. Do you think he even noticed?
12: He seemed pretty oblivious. How the hell did this happen? Who primed the trolley to send out a distress signal? If the great old one had stood an inch to the right, he would have hit the execute button, screaming our whereabouts to every ship on the planet. We can't afford Dralis finding us right now.
7: Well, maybe he accidentally primed it with his feet as well.
12: Well, I suppose that's possible. (sighs) Regardless... We don't have time to figure it out right now. If we're going to stop Dralis, we've got somewhere to be.
4: That little glamour power of yours sure is a useful thing to have, eh, Thornfield? Max smiled awkwardly. He still hadn't told the rest of the pack that he'd met his father, Puck, which had explained his strange ability. He felt again the weight of the brooch he had taken from the dying spirit in his pocket.
12: We just have one thing to do before we go to our appointment.
4: What? We have something more important to do than save the world?
12: It's just going to be a quick stop.
4: Your mom's just a quick stop.
12: Exactly.
4: Max kicked the trolley into gear, and as it tapped into the interplanetary lay cable power, it vanished in a flash of light. Where is Max headed? How can the flash pack get outside time? Will Dralis' field destroy the planet? Come back next episode for A Stitch in Time.
1: In that episode of Epic Echoes, the Backwoods series... Guinevere Eckert played the narrator. Nicholas Roach played Max Thornfield. Devin White played Molly. Lynn Nelson played Slaughter. Tongwen Wong played Keen. Jordan D. White played Crisp. Ava Rosenblatt played Alyssa. Elijah Weberhan played Cthulhu. And Angela Tymon played Dralis. The theme song was by Michael Temporary Card-McKaskey. Which just about brings us to the end of our show. I had a great time, Scape. I know I didn't really talk to you that much this episode. How how was it for you? Um, and again, I don't even want us to discuss the treat situation. Just tell me about the show and just be honest.
2: It was okay. Uh, I'm really waiting for the parts where I get into the shows because there's a couple shows I appear on.
1: That's true. That's true. You appear in Tractor Fiction, I think, twice, and you appear in Epic Echoes many times.
2: Yeah, re- I can't wait to get on the shows because that's really the when it gets good and interesting.
1: Okay, I mean, I guess you know if you're if you're just completely self centered, I guess that's fair.
2: All right, that's fair. But, I mean, they're okay. I sit around and I get to sleep a bit during the show. That's good.
1: Good. I guess at least you're finding them useful in a way that they, they put you to sleep. How, how was the show for you, Rory? It was, it was, it was actually quite enjoyable. I, I had a very good time. And Frank? Uh, well, uh, again, I I'm glad to have heard how car debate turned out. But uh, I don't think I would have aired it, and I'm I'm am I'm, I'm still kind of aggravated that that's two weeks in a row that I'd, I had to delay my, my my interview. When I get finally get to my interview, it's going to be you know late. Don't, don't worry about it. Do you worry too much? You worry too much. Uh, th- let's let's wrap up the show. This is going to be. Uh you're going to hear the rest of um, Waxwork Theme C now. It's uh, called Can't Stop the Wax. I, I think it's really creepy, and it's nice. I, I don't know if I've mentioned, I'm, I've been remastering these, these theme songs in order to put them on the show, re-editing them and uh, cleaning them up. This one was the hardest one to clean up, but I think it, it turned out very nicely. I'm very pleased with it. It's, it's, a, it's a song I think is, is quite nice, if a little creepy. So hopefully you'll enjoy it. We'll see you next week. I'm going to be off at Comic-Con now, so I'm very excited. And I'll, I'll talk to you all next week. I'll probably mention what it was like. Be seeing you. Think it's worth it still Preserving you so all the world Can see that you are such a vision Who'd have thought that such a girl Could ever act like such a bitch And in an X My revenge and got me To where I feel that I Might be over you So long as the wax don't set free, the black and mud that lurks inside can't stop the wax, can't stop the wax from flowing, can't stop the wax, can't stop the wax. On the next episode of Cast in Wax, on guard duty, Pease Blossom and the Stallion discuss relationships.
9: I've often noticed how the mortal brain can be subdued, diverted, or detained by stirrings founded in these mortal hearts or sometimes born of other body parts.
1: (laughs) In Tractor Fiction, the devil comes out for Halloween.
8: They're coming to celebrate my birthday!
9: Crap!
1: I forgot my chainsaw! In Decker and Hayes, the girls are contacted by their friend and competition.
9: Decker and Hayes. Long time
8: no see, Decker. McGinnis? That's my name. I was wondering if you could help me with a case I've been working on. And in Epic Echoes, the flashback meets Dex for the last
6: time. Do you imagine that her incredible intellect and voluptuous body were simply the result of...
5: Voluptuous body? Dude, she's your sister.
1: All this and much more on the next episode of Cast and Wax, coming May 5th to Waxwork.com.